Des Moines. From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. A contract extension for Iowa State men's basketball coach Steve Prohm. As yesterday, athletic director Jamie Pollard announced an extension through the 2024-25 season. Prohm was rumored to be a candidate for his alma mater at Alabama after Avery Johnson's dismissal. Iowa State finished the year 23-12. Yesterday, Iowa State also announced the decision to transfer from forward Cam Lard. The sophomore averaged 5.6 points and 2.8 rebounds per game for this year's Iowa State squad. From the NFL owners meeting, an approval of a rule change allowing offensive and defensive pass interference calls and no calls to be reviewed. The rule changes for only the 2019 season. Last night, the Iowa Wild gave up three unanswered goals and lost to Grand Rapids 5-2 at the well. The Wild are now eight points behind Chicago for first place in the Central Division. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Real short segment here so we can get back on course. We went long with Cappy. Easy to do so. Trent, I can remember, not necessarily as a kid, but as a you know late teens, 20s, this was one of the longest days of the year. The, the day before opening day in Major League Baseball oh, was... okay. It's not the same. It's just not the same, to, mm-hmm. to me anyways, and... Maybe you have to be 50, 40, 50, 60 to remember what opening day once meant. The bunting on the sides. Yes. It started in Cincinnati at 11.30 Central Time. That was always the first game, Cincinnati. Uh, The curtain went up on the MLB season in at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. The renewed hope of spring finally warming up. You get yep. those thawing out days, you're just yep. you're ready for the sport. And it by, is different. It is. And by at that time, living in Winnipeg, as I've told you before, um the American TV, it's weird to say that. Yes, now. yeah. But the American TV that we would get, the CBS, NBC, ABC, we one of them was Grand Forks, but we get we had Detroit stations so the tigers was always and i don't know why how, I, how far is detroit no it doesn't make sense i agree with you. i mean why wouldn't we get minneapolis right? 14 hours you know i never thought of driving it from i don't know does it sound like a fun road trip to no, you no it doesn't but why wouldn't we get we got grand forks fargo why wouldn't we get a minneapolis station right. if you want to go to a big city but we got detroit carmen huh. harlan more crim um so it was opening day really meant something, and because of the cable TV, I was able to you know participate in it that way. But it doesn't seem the same. Was it a big day to you growing up? Um, not really. It was like a holiday. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to think back and play my friends. It is a big day. It's I I get the email or text every year from my buddy that lives up in the cities and coming up for opening day. Mm-hmm. Like, eh. I'll it come, was I'll when, it, when it's warm. Right, I don't want to, right. I don't want to go right. sit in Target Field and it might be 22 degrees. No, I get you. Look, one of my, I was at opening day, literally. I mean, the, you can't get any more opening day than day one of Colorado Rocky baseball. Yes. Right? Yeah. It was at Mile High Stadium when the Montreal Expos played and it was like, I don't know, 77,000 or 80, 90, whatever. I do the, remember that, yes. It was unbelievable. And I still somewhere have five unused tickets. Oh, really? And there was, there was, 
Uh, memorabilia tickets were passed out, and they gave you a collect a ceramic case, Rocky Mountain News, which no longer exists. But opening day used to be on Monday, and I didn't. My days off were Monday, Tuesday. I was calling races, mm-hmm. and you know, race on Sunday, days off on Monday, Tuesday, and you're back again on Wednesday. It was a huge day, but it doesn't have the same Did- oomph. Sunday night baseball, and for many seasons... Monday night baseball, for me, was a thing. Well, but the Sunday night baseball in the beginning of the baseball season just being that one game... No, didn't happen, no. Did that hurt, though, what yes. it is today? I think so. Because what's that, 15, 20 years probably we've had that, and there's been some uh, a few yeah. tweaks and changes. Right, going over to Japan and playing over yes. in Asia. Um, yeah, it probably did. It probably hurt Because you're it. right, that, that Monday when you got started, it oh, was big. It was, huge. it was so important. And I remember... Getting the newspaper and pouring yes. over who's the opening day starters. Probable pitchers. Who gets the ball to mm-hmm. open things up, how huge that is. No, it it's different, but I'm still excited for it. We're going to do over-unders. So we got to do it tomorrow. We do it every yep. every single year, um, and then we... Check up at the check the four checkpoints. Memorial Day. Uh-huh. How are we doing? July the fourth is the next one, and then September first before we get to the end. So what we do is we we get win totals from Las Vegas. It's really meaningless, and I don't know if it's a good segment or not. We enjoy it. <laughs> we do, uh, and and we go on record. We there's the six divisions in baseball. We have a over under for every, a team in every division. Not every team, but just identify one team that you think is going to go over or under the win total. I remember one year, what three years ago, I was I swept the board. Six and zero. Oh. Six and zero. Oh. That was a terribly impressive. That's probably about two and four. That's usually how I turn out. But on then those. we got to the fall trend, and I think that I went. I oh, was no. like eleven games below five hundred in 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 our picks. So, anyways, the the old gambling adage: you're never ahead because you're no. always betting. I mean, it's if you are look at it like me. It's an entertainment tax. Know right. that you're not going to make money at it because if you're like me and you want to bet on something nearly every day. Over the long haul, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. You're not. And when you're doing 20, 30 football and basketball games on Saturdays and Sundays, you're not going to win. Uh, the action, I think the show is called Action on Showtime. It's a four-part series that debuted. Episode one was last uh, Sunday you night. You mentioned this it's to me. It's really good. Now, it's... Is it I'm, like a documentary? Uh, yes. The Showtime cameras, a documentary, followed professional handicappers, touts, and industry, sports betting industry in Vegas around all last football season. Oh, nice. It's really well done. Of course, they got out to South Point, to Visson, and, and those guys. Kelly in Vegas, who's the... Oh, yeah. She is um, the most no- notable, I think the most famous female sports gambling, uh, sports handicapper. She drives me nuts because she buys half points all the time. And she's a K-State grad. She's always picking K-State. Yes, that's true, too. Yep. But she, she's really good on the show. Yeah. And I probably know, and you would know a number of the guys on it, too. I know a, lot, a bunch of the guys that, that, are, that were part of the program. Um, Isn't are, it wild? Know, it really is. Yeah. I mean, look at how far TV is coming. I'm telling you, there will be, and I don't know this for a fact. I don't know this for a fact. We have no pull around here. None. <laughs> Bottom of the totem pole, where we belong. Yeah. Didn't used to be there. Um, self-inflicted wound. <laughs> So I don't, I, at one point I could say definitively, look, we're going to have a gambling show on, on 1460 KX and know how I would make it happen. Mm-hmm. I would think that that's still going to happen, but now I just can't, you know. Right, right. But I, don't you think? It makes too much sense. It does. Sunday Where morning, it, Saturday morning. It's dedicated to that. We talk point spreads, we talk gambling, we talk wagering a lot here, mm-hmm. but this is dedicated. We're we're not really getting into depth charts and injuries, and, though that's a part of it. It is strictly about the point spread, about the total, whatever it may be. Maybe a prop bet. 
I would love that. I, I think it's coming. Look, sports wagering's coming to Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know, making your way out the prairie or to one of the Wild Rose spots or wherever. Yes. Um, you, you're going to want gambling information and uh, radio and TV. Or look at ESPN's got a daily dedicated show to sports wagering. Fox Sports One's had one for months. Right. Going back to football. Season. Sixty Minutes was a really good yeah. piece this past week, and and you can get sixty minutes on demand. I'm pretty sure. Um, so if you watch the piece, the funny the guy that. I don't want to say that. What? <laughs> well, so the guy that actually hired, that that fell in love with the wager that I came up with and I was calling Races at Prairie, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's in the show. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in the show. Um, part of the part of the 60, he was part of the 60 Minutes piece. Now, he's got a big time gig now. Yeah. A major, major gig now. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to say that. But uh, it was weird that the guy that heard about the bet that I came up with mm-hmm. wanted to purchase it. And led me to, you know, losing my gig out there, um, but uh, certainly bringing me to a place I'm very happy at now. Anyways, we will take a timeout. Bill Bender coming up next. Uh, he is with the Sporting News. We get Bill, if you're new to the program, we get Bill Bender every single week during college football, probably 30, 35 times throughout the year. Normally, we in the past, we talked to him during NBA playoffs. Right. Because he'd be no Cleveland. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Right. Then we double dip him in the fall with the Indians, and he still may do that again as he's based in Ohio. But he was in Columbus uh, for this past weekend. We'll pick his brain on that. We'll do some football. Uh, Mark Morehouse, 1135 on the Hawks. We did the clones earlier with Alex Halstead. If you missed that, you can go to kxno.com, click the podcast link, and there it will be. Back after these on 1460. Okay, bye. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Con, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Jeff Goodman, John Rothstein, both reporting that UNLV will hire T.J. Otzelberger. We said a trend. Mike Dom's out of eligibility. TJ's got to get out of there while the getting's good, and he's head to, to Las Vegas. Iowa State former hoops coaches. Yeah. Hoybrick to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. If it happens, sounds like a will. TJ Otzelberger, we now know. Watch Matt Abdelmassi on St. John's staff with Chris Mullins. Right. I'm told that there's a pretty good chance he'll be getting his mail in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, there's been a lot of that chatter that the staff is already set. Yes. That Hoiberg knows what he has. He knows who he's bringing with him. And mm-hmm. it's not just him signing on the dotted line. All the, the extras are, are also making their way there, too. What does he hate to do? Recruit. Who? What is Matt Abdelmassi's specialty? Recruiting his ass off. Indeed he is. Bill Bender joins us as we uh, go back to the first one of the first-round sites. He was in Columbus, Ohio. He's Ohio uh, resident, and he joins us. We'll talk college basketball and some college football. Bill, Trent, and Ken, good to catch up with you. How are you? Yeah, it's always good to check in with you guys. That means we're a little bit closer to football. But, yeah, it's, it's in a, as I told Trent at the break, it, it was, I know that wasn't the result Iowa fans wanted, but... That game was everything Marks is about. I yep. mean, the sound when they tied the game was unbelievable. You get chills when you think about it, and it was just one of those great back-and-forth NCAA tournament games. Yeah, no doubt about it. And even going back until uh, Friday uh, Friday morning, you were there, Cincinnati-Iowa. That was a pretty good game. I mean, they had to come back to knock off the Bearcats. They did, and then the Tennessee game was uh, going overtime. was was great theater. Oh, for sure. And, then, you know, it's product product of playing in a tough conference, obviously. I mean, the Big Ten... Had a great first round, you know. Had 
seven teams get through, and then they, they did well in the second round. I mean, I think the teams that got to the Sweet 16 were the ones we expected, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue. And I like at least two of them for another one. Um, okay. Going into the Elite Eight, I'll, I'll let you figure out which one. But, uh, you know, I think Iowa really showed a lot of fight. Cook played well. Uh, Garza played well in the first round. Bohannon, once he got going, uh, you know, and they weren't turning the ball over a little bit against Tennessee. Could have been different in overtime, but mm-hmm. Tennessee's a really good team, guys. Tennessee's a really veteran team. Um, Williams and Schofield are the real deal, and yep. they, they they showed it in overtime. They did. You also saw North Carolina. Give us uh, give me your take on North Carolina. They're going to be tough to beat, and they're probably the most under – I don't know what the right word is – understated story in this tournament because, you know, Duke, Duke's – everything they do is viral with Zion. Um, Virginia's kind of that redemption story. Kentucky, I just – before I got on, I was looking at tweets of PJ Washington walking off. I saw that, yeah. Um, you know, but North Carolina is just going about their business, and, and aside from that first half against Iona, looked pretty dominant. They're loaded. They're fun to watch in person too, because I'll say this about Iowa: I was fun to watch in person because as somebody that coached a little bit this this winter, I like teams that get up, move the ball, get up and down the court, and let it fly, let it fire away. They didn't really hold the ball and. Man, North Carolina's got like four or five guys that can just, they look like uh, they're going to be playing at the next level and doing it pretty well. Carolina-Auburn, that's going to be fun. First mm. to 90, and if Auburn's mm. hitting threes, oh, we're going to have a lot of points in that one. Hey, back to Tennessee-Iowa, and away from the Iowa perspective to Tennessee, late in that basketball game and throughout overtime, Admiral Schofield didn't play. And the what was described afterwards by Barnes was, you know, he just thought the backup was playing better. I, I've I struggle with that explanation. There was a couple of shots of him actually down trying to get stretched out. Could this be more injury-related and leading to the Sweet 16 matchup with Purdue? Without Admiral Schofield, you got to say that's a big negative for this Tennessee team, even if they got it done without him against the Hawks. Well, I think they need him to match up with Eastern. That, mm-hmm. That's one of those matchups in that game, within the game, that are that are very important. Um, you know, I, I tend to buy the explanation that he didn't want to play in overtime. But because, and in part of it, made it easy because he took that bad shot before Iowa tied the game. Um, but what, like I said, they've got kind of a tight team, and I'm around their locker room a couple of days, and it, it seems pretty genuine. You know, you, I always mm-hmm. say you can tell when your locker rooms when when players are being fake and, mm-hmm. and it's not real. And then with the guys like Williams and Schofield and Jordan Bone, it, it feels pretty real. And I think part of that was born out of the fact that. They lost to Loyola last year, and they were still getting asked about Loyola after beating Iowa, and uh, that's pretty amazing. So I, I think they've done a lot to move forward. Produce same questions. I mean, this is a team that Matt Painter's 0-5 in the Sweet 16. Mm. So that's a program that's wow. got to answer the same questions. He's had better teams make it to this point in the tournament. No doubt. Yeah, Carson Edwards was unbelievable on Saturday. What do you have, set 42 or something on Saturday night? Uh, That was unbelievable. Well, last thing on college basketball in Columbus, we know how Des Moines did. We're real proud of the, you know, the opening rounds of the tournament here. We thought that Des Moines showed out very well. We're biased, but, you know, we we believe that the country felt this way. Uh, You've been to big events, obviously, in Columbus. The the shoe's a a whole different level. But what was opening the opening weekend of the tournament in Columbus, Ohio like? Uh, pretty good. I mean, the North Carolina-Washington game, probably a little less toward the end, you know, in atmosphere, because I think most people expect North Carolina to win, and they did. But, I mean, like I said, the Iowa-Tennessee game was as good as it gets. And it doesn't surprise me you're saying those things about Des Moines, because I watched some of that on TV, and it looked like great atmospheres for games. And didn't hurt that you had a 
three Big Ten teams do well mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, Minnesota getting a game, and of course both, and those are the two. I think Michigan and Michigan State are both good for at least one more win, and then we'll see what they do in the Elite Eight against the one seeds that I think they'll be up against. Unless Florida State beats Gonzaga. There you go. Really, that's going to be a really good game. It is, and there's a lot of them. And without the upsets, this is what it leads to, is these Sweet 16 Elite Eight games should all be uh, have a chance to be really good. Bill, with the Big Ten, they've had, I think what the number is, seven different teams have played for a national championship, but nobody's done it since Mo Pete and Mateen Cleaves and company got it done for Michigan State here uh, almost 20 years ago. Because of that, A, the importance of a national championship for Big Ten basketball, and B, of the three remaining teams, who do you like's path, and who do you think does have the best shot of winning it all from the Big Ten? Well, uh, you know, I think Michigan, it depends on Purdue's kind of the X factor because I think if they can get by Tennessee, they can break a streak that goes all the way back to 1980 and get to the Final Four, and they're on probably the friendlier side of the bracket I, because I just feel like, and I'll, I can't take credit for this, Josh Ward, a Tennessee radio host earlier this week, he said uh, the TV execs blew the ball off the uh, – the rim in the UCF Duke game, <laughs> yeah. and I think they did. I'm surprised. That's the biggest issue <laughs> yeah. for Michigan State and Michigan is both of them probably have to go through Duke to get there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not even counting Gonzaga for the Wolverines. So I just feel like Duke's going to come off that and play unreal in the second weekend, and you know, is as one and eleven against Duke. The, the Big Ten, those seven championship games you mentioned, Trent. I'm trying to think how many. Most of those were losses to ACC teams. Yeah. So, you know, whether it was North Carolina or Maryland at the time, um, you know, that's stood in the Big Ten's way. So I don't know if they need a national championship, but it would be nice to see one of those three, at least one, get through to the Final Four. I don't think Michigan and Michigan State fans can handle a fourth installment if they both got there. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be something? I could, as as, as a fan, I'd sign for it. I'd also sign for you being right about North Carolina, because that was my team going into it. Cody White is unbelievable. The thing I like about the team, I like a lot of things about it, but I do like the fact they've got a couple of seniors who both play significant minutes uh, on the team in May and Johnson, and and I think that that goes a long way. I mean, we see Reed Travis, what he's doing at at Kentucky and how important his role. North Carolina's got a couple of been there, done that seniors. I think that that maybe gets understated once we get to this round with all the one and doneers and all the uh, underclassmen talent. Oh, for sure. And that, you know, there's many ways to do it. That's what I always tell people. I mean, sometimes you can have a freshman loaded class like Duke with Williamson and Barrett and Reddish and, and that works. Uh, though I will say the most, if you ask me what the most fun part of the weekend was, it was probably sitting there when I got home with, with my eight year old son Grant and, and having him laugh at, how big Taco Fall was. I said, <laughs> he, he asked me, he said, so he, could he beat our entire basketball team of second graders of all 10 of us? I was like, yes, he could beat all 10 of you. He, <laughs> he, he, he can turn around and dunk a nine foot rim and his head will hit the rim. But um, I thought that was a good story. But to your point, yeah, I, I think the veteran teams like North Carolina and Michigan State, veteran team. And I'll, I'll go, since I'm on the show and have the room to say it, I had no problem with what Tom Izzo did with Aaron Henry. And I guess why some Right, I'm with you. But um, you guys have watched Big Ten basketball long enough to know he's not a Bob Knight. He's not a Woody Hayes. He's a coach that his players always carry, care very deeply about him, and there's definitely a lot of back and forth with player and coach in that give and take in that program. 
Bill, uh, you are the lead guy in college football over at the Sporting News, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk college <laughs> football with you. So let's get into it. You know, here, Big Ten, Big 12 country, Texas, certainly the buzz team after what they did in the Sugar Bowl. Another buzz team, though, that I don't want to fall in this trap because it's happened too many times in the past for me. Just talk me off the ledge right now. Before we even get to April, I shouldn't like Texas A&M, right? I, I shouldn't fall into that trap. They get Clemson right away this season. They get Alabama in the middle of October. A lot is going to be decided how good they are, but just talk me off this A&M ledge. I, I've made this mistake too many times. You can like the team and the program, but I just don't like the schedule. Yeah. I think they play Tech, or, uh, Clemson at Clemson. They play Alabama at, at least that one's at home, and then they they crush the end of the schedule with Georgia and LSU. So who made that? Um, I mean, I mean that's just brutal at the end. And and you want to schedule Texas in there too? Good luck. I mean, Jeez. where do you find that game? Really? So I do think the strides Jimbo's made in recruiting and how competitive they were, especially in November, is definitely worth watching. I just think if you were taking buying stock in one of the Texas programs, I think the Longhorns got a little bit of an easier road, especially since they get LSU in Austin at home in September. Hmm. What spring games are you attending in person, Bill? Do you know yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to figure that out next week. I definitely will be at Ohio State because it's up the street, and they have Justin Fields, and everybody's going to want to know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll probably bounce around a little bit from there. Last year they gave me UCLA. I know they did. I don't think they're going to send me out to the, the beautiful uh, – you know, West Coast this year. And I'm, you know, I will say this, and you guys will appreciate this since you're in Iowa. I just want winter to end. It's still cold in Ohio. Well, we've got 67 today, and, and, uh, so maybe <laughs> yes. it's coming your way, and we'll sign for that. It's been, it's been awful. I'm with you. Bill Bender, Sporting News, joins us uh, every week during college football season and, and all the time throughout the entire year, and we're grateful for that. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. Hey, anytime. I can't wait to talk to you guys next time. Let's right. go again. I appreciate it. All right. See you, Bill. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Uh, as he joins us as we talk college basketball and football with Bill, one of our, uh, we're glad to have guests. Uh, we're glad to have Mark Morehouse. He's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Iowa.org. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. I'm going to guess you don't know this I one. have no idea who this is. They're here tomorrow, are they? The Pixies. The Pixies. Yes. Never heard of them. Never heard of them? Never heard of them. Playing with Weezer. Do you know Weezer? Not Weezer. Not really, no. I've become my dad. That's okay. These, these, cool. are, these are old bands. These are bands of my generation. Really? Not my... Pe- people in their 30s and 40s music, and that's even too recent for you. No, I don't know. You want to play the Rolling Stones? I, we got plenty of those. <laughs> we do. Mark Morehouse, we don't have plenty of time. I, you know what's we're, we're running late today, and this is going to prevent well, you never participate from Mark and I having, you know, our two or three minutes of Hockey NHL talk. conversation. Right. I, I mentioned to him right before he came on, maybe this summer you guys can have a fishing conversation or two. Yes. You guys both Bring love Ross that. Peterson into it because right. Petey's big into maybe, it. Maybe, uh, maybe when I I take some vacation this summer, maybe that'll be a perfect time for that because I know nothing of the hockey or the fishing. Mm. Mark, we don't have time to talk puck today. I'm I'm going to miss it. I'm still kind of blown away. You don't know who the Pixies are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really you don't. shouldn't be. Don't yeah. be. Don't be at all, Mark. All right, so you're a fan, are you? Uh, I bought that album in 1986. Seven or eight, mm-hmm. and uh, Surfer Rosa, and I bought it the same day. I bought uh, 
Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. One of those albums stuck. Yes, yes. It wasn't GNR. No, no, indeed. Um, Mark, let's uh, let's do the. You're you're a Packer fan, right? Yes. Jordy Nelson, owner, re- owner. Oh, an owner too. He's, an owner. he's more yes. than a fan. He's an he's, owner. Yeah. He's an, uh, Jordy Nelson. I, I wish he wouldn't have gone to Oakland. I mean, I get why guys want to do it, but retiring from the game. How will you remember Jordy Nelson's Packer career? I don't know how many times I tweeted after watching him uh, catch a long touchdown pass. He was the quintessential Thursby catching dog. Uh, he would just go out there and uh, just take over the game. Point uh, uh, example: um, Patriots, uh, Patriot Green Bay, uh, Patriots at Green Bay. I can't remember what year it was. It was a great, great game, and I had I was there. I had really bad seats way, way up, <laughs> but you could see how Jordy would stretch the field, how uh, the window would open. You could see how Aaron Rodgers is a hundred and ten million dollar quarterback or whatever he is. It uh, puts it right, you know, the timing, the coverage right between it. And Jordy is the one stretching the field, making the plays, outrunning the defense after the catch. I don't know how many times he, he did that in his career. He, he was tremendous. And you know what? Here, uh, Iowa fans, you kind of turn your nose up in the middle of the road to nowhere. I was wide receiver guy. He was drafted out of Kansas State. Correct. Uh, he had a good career there. And But, you know, so these guys can come from anywhere. And, uh, you know, Jordy, Jordy, I would put him up there with uh, – Oh, and some of the any of the Packers' great receivers, maybe not Don Hudson, but uh, he he's he was a trailblazer, man. I I totally appreciate his career. Well, the Iowa Hawkeyes certainly are looking for that big play threat. We've seen it at times out of Amir Smith Marset, but uh, blowing the top off is something that it's never been a huge part of the Iowa offense. You had C.J. Jones and Mo Brown, you know, back in the early portions of the Ferentz era. Mark McNutt was an outstanding wide receiver, but the biggest thing, and it's something I know you've touched on before, Mark is recently it's been the slot receiver that's been maybe the most important for Iowa, and they lost their slot receiver. Who do you like to take over that spot, that element, and, and maybe a guy that can do something a little bit different than what they've had the last four or five years? You know, I think they're looking, I think they're looking for a guy, somebody who can do what they've had the last four or five years. You know, you start with uh, Matt Vandenberg, uh, 65 catches, I think, in 2015 out of a slot position. Um, and then at, when he got hurt in 2016, Riley McCarron, mm-hmm. uh, from that position led the team in receiving. Then the last two years, 103 catches for Nick Easley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led the team in receptions or yardage. I can't remember which, uh, this year. TJ receptions. Hopkinson, of course, led in, yep. led in the other one. Um, so I think slot receiver is a sneaky important position for this team. I asked Ferentz the question yesterday. He said, uh, uh, oh, what did you say? Nico Regani is a guy who kind of has that, a little bit of a foot in the door there. Six foot, 192. Uh, and he said, you know, he's got to outrun linebackers in, in underneath coverage. That's what we want out of that position. And that's what they were able to hit, I think, with those, with, uh, Vandenberg, McCarron, and Nick Easley. So we'll see if Nico fit, if Nico sticks there. I also kind of like Tyron Tracy. Parents did mention Tyron Tracy, but he said, he did specifically say if there was a game tomorrow. Your slot guy is going to be Nico Regani, so we'll see. I mean, it's bring it. That's what spring is for to find out who can mm-hmm. do what. You know, back back to Monday with Pro Day. Nick Easley, you mentioned him. He did, he did lead the team last year in receptions. I believe he led the, the year before as well, or he was right there. Um, what are his pro? What's his pro prospects? Has he got a chance, Mark? I asked him straight out. I said <laughs> on Monday, "Are you on the Ryan McCarron path to the league?" And uh, he he would even blink. He said, "Yes, absolutely." Uh, so, Riley McCarron, I did a little checking. Now, he's been in the league two years, and his first 
I think his first deal with the Texans was like $2,000 with a $4,000 signing bonus. So it wasn't real great. Uh, Patriots found something they liked. They signed him to a $100,000 deal. So two years in the NFL, now, granted, on the grand scheme, it's not a huge number for the NFL, but for us human real people, uh, Brown McCarron's made 271 k in the NFL in two years. That's not Good bad. For him. Yeah. So, yeah, and so I think uh, Easley's on that route. I think Easley probably has the same uh, same sort of short area quickness. Uh, teams won't look for him probably to uh, uh, run 40 yards, but they'll look for him to work in traffic. They'll look for him to look for special teams value out of him, something he did not get to show very much of at Iowa. Uh, I think he's got a shot. I think he's a solid kid, and I think character does count now in the NFL, finally, maybe, uh, and, and I think he kind of fits that mold. I think uh, – uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of the offensive linemen get a foot in the door. I think Ross Reynolds has something to, has something to show the league. Um, and then Matt, Matt Nelson, really interesting case. I wish we would have had a chance to talk to him on Monday. Sounds like some teams are wanting him to try on the offensive tackle hat. Imagine if that hit. Yeah. Uh, now, I think there'll be a certain percentage of Hawkeye fans who get angry that way. Why was he offensive tackle in Iowa? Well, because they needed him to play defensive tackle in Iowa. So that worked out for, for him in Iowa. Maybe on the next level, he is an offensive tackle. Maybe he plays eight to ten years. Who knows? And they had a couple of pretty good ones out there this past season with Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs uh, playing the offensive tackle position, and they'll be back this season. Hey, Mark, uh, a guy that wasn't part of the too deep, but he was bandied about a lot yesterday, Davion Nixon, a guy that had to start his career at Iowa Western because of grades, came back redshirted a year ago in his first year on campus, and then something happened, though nothing officially has ever come out that kept him out and um, away from the team for a while. Back in good standing, all systems go, or any more lingering concerns with Nixon going into next fall? I No, nothing that I know of as far as off-field. But on-field, yeah, let's find out if this guy can play the game. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about him for two years now. Let's see if he can fire a shot out there. Uh, my sense is that, yes, he'd be able to. He's a 300-pound tackle. Now, even if he isn't great, even if he's, say, you know, just maybe like a uh, guy, well, how come he didn't get honorable mention all conference? If he's even that level, he's worth his weight in gold for the Hawkeyes because if he's not there, if he's not able to compete with Brady Reef, you know, how many how many 277-pound tackles are making a living in the Big Ten? Tough go for Reef. I think the next the, – the, his uh, Nixon's body is such a boon for, the, for the, just the middle of Iowa's defensive line. Now, I don't expect a ton of stats, and it does remain to be seen what he can do on the football field. But just the body in itself, I think. You know, other, if he if he's not ready, then you got if he if he wasn't able to go, then you have six foot two ninety four Noah Shannon, uh, who's a redshirt freshman. Then you have uh, Austin Schulte, who's a junior, who's that was an offensive lineman during uh, maybe before bowl prep or, or right around bowl prep. So he brings some stability to the inside. I do think now Iowa with uh, with Ben Valkenberg coming in. Uh, the, the the Hillsdale College Division Two guy, they do have a shot now for eight off defensive linemen, and John Wagner's got to come through. And another guy that I'm not totally writing off, and it was kind of cool to see his name in the two deep behind AJ Evaneza, uh, is Nathan Nelson. This is Anthony Nelson's brother, so he's a player. I mean, he's got some uh, some DNA that's done some things. Six three, two fifty two. No, he's not six seven. He, he might not be the pass rusher that uh, that a- Anthony is. 
But uh, an interesting name to follow, uh, redshirt freshman out of Waukee. Uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids, Gazette, a couple more minutes. We talked on the offense about the importance of the slot receiver position. Now defensively, sounds like the four two five. we're going to be seeing a lot of it. And, um, you know, we've got this carryover from last year. and That leads us to the Amani Hooker question and who's going to fill those shoes. Good luck. Who's that guy going to be? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think there's several candidates. Um, Michael Ojemudi keeps coming up, and I asked Kirk about him yesterday. Ojemudi is a big corner. He's uh, 6'1", 200. Uh, he could probably fit into a safety spot, but there's some risk-reward there because Ojemudi has been a pretty good corner for him for two years. Uh, you know, he lost a job through injury last year for about four or five games, came back, and he kind of stabilized the position. I'm not sure you mess around with a corner that you trust. So I look at uh, DJ Johnson at that point. I look at uh, um, maybe... Maybe a guy like Justin Justin uh, Jacobs, a true freshman, fits in there. You know, he's a taller guy. He's going through surgery. He won't be able to play this spring. But uh, I wonder how that will turn out. It could be like, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, 2017 at Iowa State. Um, they ran about 20. Iowa ran about 20 plays because it was it was just a shootout. It was a pass fast. So you guys remember that. Um, I, Iowa ran about 20 plays of nickel and dime. It maybe it morphs back to that. Maybe they find trust on linebackers. But uh, I like Ferris put it this way yesterday. That is in our DNA now. So this will be a four two five. I'm just wondering how it'll look. I, I want to see Brent's on the field. Um, yeah. you, you know, six foot two, and I like the guys behind on the depth chart. Hankins as well. Might Brent's have fit that role? He could. Uh, the one thing that one of the shockers, and I and I kind of glossed over the weights yesterday. I didn't. I I. Some day, some years that grabs me, some years it doesn't. This the one that did grab me was Brent, so six two two hundred now. That's 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 solid. That's getting to be safety size mm-hmm. he wants to be. He's a beautiful looking athlete. Now I think probably Hankins and Brent are maybe their best corners. I wonder how those guys, those two, that pair would hold up and run support. Iowa corners do find themselves in run force roles more than more than probably people realize. Uh, they're going to have to be fierce and tacklers. I think. Hankins showed that. Of course, unfortunately, you know he got hurt last year because he's thrown his body so much. He lost. He missed six weeks of the season, uh, and Brent also missed a little bit of toward the end there. So, I'm very intrigued. I think the most competitive posi- uh, position group that Iowa has is the secondary, and it's uh, it's uh, you got to come correct or you're shipping out. One more for you. We'll let you go on this. Mark Morehouse joining us from the Cedar Rapids Gazette on Miller and Condon. Mark is uh, the running back spot. Just two guys listed there. We didn't see any slashes or either ors. It was two guys at every position. Makai Sargent, who really took a step forward as the year went on a year ago, and Torin Young. No Ivory Kelly Martin, who was the starter in game one. What's injury status with him? And then the ability. The two freshmen that will be coming in, true freshmen this season, how much playing time would you expect out of those two guys? Well, hard to say, but uh, yeah, Ivory Kelly Martin is hurt. Um, big, big spring for Mackay Sargent and Torn Young. They can really kind of put the key in the door and make sure nobody breaks it off. I mean, just with a uh, solid spring play, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, Ivory Kelly gets. I fully expect uh, Tyler Goodson and Chadrick Bird. Bird is on campus. If we had a spring thing, we might see him play this year. Uh, I really think those two will impact the depth chart, will impact uh, who gets what in the game. I would say one of the freshmen is probably in line for and if they t- early on in the season. I think there will be two stages. Early on in the season, they'll probably get 10 carries a game. If they can handle that, if they get me in, you know, if they average their yards and, and hold on to the ball and 
you know, are productive, maybe that grows a little bit. I, I think both of them will, will be in competition. And then you forget a little bit about Henry Guile, maybe the bigger biggest back on the on the team right now, outside of maybe Torn Young. But uh, that's at six running backs, so there's there's probably going to be some jam up there and I'm playing time. And there's probably going to be some hurt egos and maybe some transfers, but I really do think that the, the, the two new true freshmen coming in, I think they're going to love the way they go, those guys can get to the outside edge on the uh, outside zone plays. I think those guys, that might, might be their ticket in the door. Good stuff. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. You'll be hearing a whole lot more, Mark, on our program going forward as spring football is upon us. Mark, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. You bet, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Trent Condon, Heartland Flag Team of the Day. Yes. Did you want to do an easy one, or what have you got planned? That's that's good. What you give it today? It's I went Jordy Nelson Retirement uh, Day. Okay, so you want to go? Well, not a Raider. You don't remember, Mr. No, Raider. no. Do you want to do his NFL team or his college team? Ooh, random. Ooh, uh, fan of the day. You know what? Why don't we let the audience decide? You can do either K-State or Green Bay in honor of Jordy Nelson. All right. For Jordy Nelson. I like that one. For Jordy. go to So tell us how we do it. You go to Twitter.com and uh, just search uh, Miller and Condon, where you can find us. Tag us and show us your fandom. You're wearing a t-shirt. Got the hoodie on. Got a button. Whatever it may be showing that you're a fan of either Kansas State or the Green Bay Packers. And win yourself a flag from Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Got the gift certificates here for all our winners from last week. You'll be ready to go. I'll be contacting all of them as they're sitting here in front of me. All you got to do, heartlandflags.com, and uh, get this. You can get a flag. And you know what? If you go in and you're a Packers fan, but you know what? I really want a flag of something else. Yeah, they're you not going to make it. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to just take right. the flag of the day that you win them, but our random Team of the day presented by Heartland Flagpoles and Flags is two, the Packers and K State. First one in, tag us at Miller and Condon. All right, so it's the first. So if the Green Bay Packer comes in and the second one's a K State, you're unfortunately you finish second today. Got to have quick fingers. Get Gotta those pictures ready. to us. A Miller and Condon's Twitter feed. All right, tomorrow we'll do our win totals. What else are we going to do? We're going to go to Vegas. Prior to the Sweet 16, Jason Symbol, CG Technology, Matt Norlander from CBS is going to join us. Where's he going to be over the weekend? Norlander? Yes. Louisville. Nice. You like Louisville. I love Louisville. I really do. Ten and a half hours, ten hour drive, not bad at all. I'm Murph and Andy, today at two. Fanatics at four. The rush starts at all tomorrow. Miller and Condon, 1460 kicks. No.